Hello, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. On this episode, we are bringing back Dr. Johann Oldenkampf. We are going to be discussing his biblical end times prophecies that he has translated from the original Greek. Dr. Johann H. Oldenkampf was a professor of knowledge transfer, innovation, and entrepreneurship at the Stenden University. In the autumn of 2008, he consciously resigned that appointment in order to devote all his time, energy, and savings to the further development of holy science. Since then, he lives by his own choice, without income from a job or unemployment benefit. Before his professorship, Johann worked as a researcher and lecturer at the University of Groningen as a member of the scientific staff of the Dutch Telematics Institute and as a management consultant at Ernst & Young Consulting and its successors, as a freelance trainer, teacher, consultant, and coach, and also as a martial arts teacher. Johann graduated in cognitive psychology. Next, he completed a postgraduate education in knowledge engineering, and he got a Ph.D. for researching how to combine artificial intelligence heuristics with operations research algorithms. On holy science, Johann has successfully reunified all pure sciences, all correct philosophies, and all true spiritual teachings, including the truthful parts of each religion, into a logical whole that he named holy science. Holy science integrates all knowledge concealed in ancient scriptures with all modern-day findings. Johann, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you back to Secrets of Saturn. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you very much, Jason, and thank you very much for having me again. I'm uh, really looking forward to have this talk with you. So am I. I think you've got some incredibly interesting work to uh, discuss here. And we're going to be going over your translations from the original Greek on end times prophecies. So if you'd like to go right into it, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, I've, I've, to be honest, I've been reading the Bible text for long, but uh, I always thought that the King James Version was, was uh, the best one to work with, the most original one. And uh, it was a big shock for me to discover that there are many huge errors in that version. And uh, the only real way to do it is to go back to the original Greek version. And there was at that time a king, yeah, or pharaoh, or like you call it, the, the ruler of Egypt from the, uh, the Greek empire, from Macedonia, when, uh, when Alexander the Great conquered Egypt. So uh, later on, many people from Macedonia became ruler over Egypt. And there was one ruler who, uh, I forgot his name, but doesn't really matter too much, who, wanted, who, who came across those ancient writings from what we now call uh, Palestine, uh, were actually Phoenician writings, but it doesn't really matter too much. Um, and he wanted those writings to be part of the library uh, uh, of, of Alexandria. Um, uh, so um, he ordered people, uh, scholars, to translate from that strange language, which is actually uh, a very strange dialect. Ketav uh, Ifri is the name, but that's not important either. Anyway, to make a long story, not too long. <laughs> um, in order to get uh, a, a Greek version, he, he ordered those men to, to uh, translate it. And in total, 70 men worked on it. It started around 250 before our current era, and it continued all the way until about 130 before our current era. So more than a century People were writing, were working on this, and those um, those translated books into Greek, they became known later as Septuagint, and that's short for Septuaginta. That's Latin for seventy. So you can also say in English the seventy. So uh, and that was for long the standard version until the the Jewish people uh, got more and more into debate with uh, with um, Christian people about the authentic authenticity of this uh, of these books and they wanted to make changes 
And then they introduced their own version, and, and that's how we came uh, uh, to know the, the Hebrew Bible, or the, the Old Testament, or the Tanakh. But most people think that the Tanakh is older than, uh, than, the, uh, than the Greek version, and that is totally not true. If you go and look for, uh, for the oldest version of the uh, Hebrew Bible, or the Tanakh, or the Old Testament, any word you like to, work, to use here, you will find that it's, it's from the Middle Ages, around the year 1000. So it more than more than a millennium later, um, the Greek, the, the Hebrew version uh, was was written. So um, the the it's a huge mistake to to go back to Hebrew. That's nonsense. If you really want to understand what's there, then you have to go to the Greek version, the Septuagint version, and then you can uh, yeah start to read what what is really there. And that's what I did. I didn't have Greek at school. Uh, I'm a little bit sorry for that uh, because I, I wasn't good at languages. I was very good at mathematics and and all the logical stuff. But to me, languages were were not logical, so I, I couldn't couldn't understand it. But nowadays, I I do see the logic there a lot, and uh, I learned myself to read Greek and and translate it into English, and um, and that's what I've been doing for for a while now. Wow, that's that's quite a story. Uh, now. What would people have been using uh, before all this came about, say, in the times that are attributed to the times of Jesus? And I'm sure that's a story in and of itself. But um, what Bible or books would they have been reading from? Exactly this one, the Septuagint, because people in those days were reading and writing in Greek. Uh, So it was all based on Greek. It was not the spoken language, but it was the written language of the people there. They they were speaking uh, Aramaic. And they could also write in it, but that was not done. The, the scholars, the people who were educated, they all used Greek. And also the, all the books from the New Testament were all written in Greek originally. So it's, it's very simple. Just go back to the Greek versions, both of the books from the, um, from the New Testament and the books from the Old Testament. And then you know what they, um, uh, what they were really saying, what was really written down. But the, you also need to know something else, Jason. Um, the people who wrote these books... They were initiates. They they were um, they in the knowing, so to say. They they knew. Uh, you can now call it Gnosticism or any other word you like to know, use it. But they used the kind of um, hidden language, or or you can call it coded language, to explain the truth to others. So only those who knew this code they could read it, and that's why you find many. Um, reference to this in the saying that those who have ears they can hear or if you have eyes you can see mm. uh, that, that means you need to understand this coded language otherwise you think it's just a story but nothing in, the, in those books is just a story it looks like a story just like Harry Potter looks a story or, or uh, Lord of the Rings but underneath there is some very important uh, knowledge hidden and that's what I've been uh, yeah, trying to to uh, make make public as good as I can. Now, would you say this would have links to what people call mystery schools or mystery cults uh, that a lot of people associate with the the elite of today? Yeah, well, uh, absolutely, of course. But um, the mystery can be used in a good way and in a bad way. Yeah, and of course, that's my judgment, so I shouldn't judge. But you can call it in a black way or in a white way, or or as Star Wars calls it, the dark side and the light side of the force. The force is, 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 uh, is neutral, and the same is true here. So the insights are neutral, but you can use them in a, in a selfish way, 
or in an altruistic way. You can use your, your small ego to abuse this knowledge to gain your own, uh, yeah, to, to, for your own benefit, or you can use this beautiful wisdom and insights to make a better place for every one of us. And that's the, the decision we all have to make. And the powers that should not be at planetary level, they are serving a very dark agenda. And of course, that's, there's not, no light about, there's no light there at all. So it's very selfish and it's, it's, it's all about destruction. Uh, but it's the same, same insight, the same, I can call it technology or wisdom or science. It's all the same. Um, and I, I've been teaching that too for long, but I teach my students to use it in a, in a light way. So in a, the way of, 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 uh, of the true light instead of, uh, yeah, the pure evil darkness. Sure. So the safe answer would be that they probably know uh, a lot of the things you're uncovering. They probably already know what's in these things because it's been passed down through their schools or whatever you want to call them for generations upon generations. Exactly. I never see one of them on my training courses or whatever or contact me. They they know this already. The, the top of the Freemasons, the top of the Scientology, you can name all those organizations. They are all in the knowing about this. But they also know that there are prophecies in those ancient books and they want to make sure that those prophecies come true because then it will serve their own agenda. So they try to bend the stories in a way that, that favors, uh, favors their interests. And, uh, and that's, that's why I was able to crack the, the code here because what I've been doing so far is very systematic, very precise. So it's, it's like a computer program and, um, the rhythm they follow is so um, so specific that it's yeah you, you don't need to be a, a genius to see what is coming next and uh, later on we can talk about that because uh, yeah um, then then we know what is what is waiting for us and it's not that it's plan of the um, of the creator in my opinion partly it is but partly it's also uh, their own abuse of uh, of that of this knowledge so that they can become yeah, create a totalitarian regime on this planet because that's their ultimate dream. Sure, and this sounds like what what the elite always do. They they have knowledge that the common person does not, and they're always using it to their advantage. So the end times prophecies is what we're getting into today. Um, is this drawn from numerous books of the Bible, or just one, or does this lean on revelations? What are we taking this from? Well, many books refer to this. If you, for instance, go to Matthew twenty four verse seven, you see. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. And also, Luke is referring to that. And later on, um, or yeah, in the same chapters, you see more precise um, references to what is coming. And of course, uh, Revelations is very clear too. But the most profound book, in my opinion, is the book of Daniel, because Daniel had visions, and those visions were very crystal clear. And uh, he wrote them down uh, in, in also a very precise way. But also here he used coded language to heal, uh, sorry, to seal to seal the truth. And I was able to crack this, this seal, so to say. So um, later on we can go into what Daniel really told us and when it will happen. Well, let's do that. Uh, is it in a logical order? Does it explain what's going to happen in, in what order? Um, well, he talks about what will happen and he talks about when it will happen. And, um, 
Yeah, I'm not sure what where to start with first. I think best is to start with uh, um, with the when, because um, yeah, then if if you can deal, delve into that, then you can also go to the next part. Now, to give everyone a time uh, point of time reference, when would Daniel have been having these visions? Is this is this in the BC era we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly in the BC. He talked about the King Nebuchadnezzar. And that King Nebuchadnezzar really lived. And, um, yeah, we, we know what time it was. It was around, uh, 500 BC. Let me see if I find the right timing here in my file. No, I can't find it directly, but it's somewhere around 500 BC E that, that it all happened. He was king. We know that from the, uh, from the Sumerian writings from Mesopotamia that he was king between 634 BCE until 562. So let's say the the sixth millennium, sixth uh, century before our current era, and um, yeah, he, th- that name is there. So I assume this is all historically correct. And this guy, this Daniel guy, was was really special. One day they tricked him and he was thrown down in a pit with lions. But somehow his energy was so powerful that the lions didn't even bother to eat him, even though they were hungry. So um, that was really a remarkable story. If this is a hidden message or not, I don't, not sure. But I think everybody is familiar with this story. And yeah, there are other indications as well that it's all uh, true. For instance, there is the Black Obelisk. And the Black Obelisk writes about people who were brought from that part of the world, from let's call it Palestine, to uh, Mesopotamia with names and, and uh, uh, all kinds of descriptions. So I'm, and yeah, I think every historian can agree with me that it was true that the people in the, that area were brought to Mesopotamia and they lived there for a while. And at a certain moment, there came a new ruler and he allowed all of them to go back to their own uh, uh, place of origin. And then they came back to the land of uh, Samaria. So um, that's that's all true. So, yeah, so it's it's around, let's say, five, 600, 500 BCE. And uh, Daniel was talking about weeks, and that's the first clue here, because the word week, yeah, can mean a variety of things. For instance, uh, a whole of seven days, so it's a unity of seven days. But we also know somewhere else in the Bible that when they talk about days, it actually means years. Yeah, a day, for instance, in in the first chapter of Genesis, um, sometimes people interpret it as years. Uh, that's not correct, but the, the fundamental Jewish people, they do that in that way. They say each day of creation was actually a full year. So that means a week can then be a coded message for saying a period of, um, of seven years. And we also know that every seventh year is a special year. It's called uh, a, a Shemitah year in the, in the Hebrew Bible, or Hebrew calendar, sorry. Um, and on top of that, every the year are after every seventh uh, Shemitah, so that means the year after the 49th year, meaning year 50, it's called a Jubilee year or a Yovel year. So that's, that's for celebration. So we now know that seven days can be a unity, seven years can be a unity, but also seven times seven years, so 49 years can also be a unity. And that is the clue actually to cracking the code of Daniel 
because sometimes he refers to seven years and sometimes he refers to seven times seven years, so 49 years. Okay. Yeah, and um, then it starts Daniel 9, verse 24. That's that's where the, the real uh, uh, work starts, so to say. And he starts by saying, 70 weeks have been determined upon thy people. So what does it mean? How long is this? Is this 70 weeks? So it means 70 times 7 days. Yeah, a little bit more than a year. No, of course not. It's much longer. Is it 70 times 7 years? 490 years? Well, that would be yeah, long. That would be before BCE. So that's not, uh, that's not actual either. So then there is one option left, and that means 70 times 49 years. And then it starts to make sense. Yeah, because then we talk about 3,430 years. And then if we start counting at the moment where the people, the so-called chosen people, entered Egypt, yeah, we, we um, yeah, it's a little bit of a sideway here, but I have to explain it now. Uh, also, the whole story of people in Egypt who were slaves, it's also a coded message because his, historic uh, uh, files do not show any evidence that there were slaves in ancient Egypt. So that's not true. So this is coded, and that means um, there is a hidden uh, hidden story here. But um, what, what is important now for us is the timing, and everybody agrees that when those so-called people entered Egypt, which historically never happened, but somehow we can agree on the date, um, is the year 1876 before our current era. And if we take that as a starting point, and then we know there were in, they were in exile for 430 years, so we need to add up those years, then we arrive in the year four, 1446 before our current era, and then they were 40 years wandering in the wilderness, which is, of course, a really silly story, but it's all about uh, cracking the code. So just add those 40 years, and then we arrive in the year 1406 before our current era. And that's the starting point. And when we take that starting point and we now add 70 times, 7 times 7 years, then we arrive in the year 2025. And the year 2025 is the end date of the, uh, of the end times. Yeah, we, are, we are about to enter a period which will be very uh, difficult for many of us, uh, but that, that tough period will end. And that, that's why they talk about the end times. Actually, it's it's a it's a period of seven years, uh, and in those seven years, yeah, some call it the tribulation. Um, so we'll we'll have really tough times uh, to to deal with, and many people will will probably uh, die or or get get a lot of trouble. Um, but the good news is, it's part of a bigger plan. So. Um, in the end, it will all be good, but before we are there, it will be very dark, I think. Okay, and do, do you know when exactly this, the beginning of the worst part is supposed to start? Yeah, then, of course, this is the first. So we now have the end year, which is 2025, and now we can look for the uh, beginning, the first year. And for that, we need to understand the way of uh, thinking of the people who are... Um, um, who are doing this. Yeah, then we go to Daniel 9, verse 25, so one verse further on, 
And then it says, and thou shalt know and understand from the going forth of the command for answering with the building of Jerusalem until the anointed prince shall return. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks and the streets shall be built and the wall and the time shall be exhausted. This is a very strange first because it says seven weeks and 62 weeks. Are these people so stupid that they cannot add 7 plus 62, which is 69? Why, why would they do this? Well, they do this because the, the word week means something different in both occasions. The first one are 7 times 7 years, while the second one are literally weeks, so 7 days. So um, that's, that's in, in also in the Greek version, it is the very same word. Um, so you cannot... Uh, you cannot uh, find the clue there, but you need to think, and then you c can see that those words mean something different. So, yeah, and then we go to the building of Jerusalem, and uh, especially the command for answering with the building of Jerusalem. When was that command given? Well, we know when Jerusalem was conquered, and we I didn't know about a command was given. I couldn't find it on Wikipedia or anywhere else. So I don't think the command is in the public domain, but I'm quite certain that within the elites or the, the powers that should not be, this command was really given because they want these, these, uh, these uh, prophecies to be fulfilled. So they gave this command, and that was the start of the six days war from, e from Israel with the neighboring countries, yeah? first Egypt and, and the others as well. And when was the recapture of the old city of Jerusalem? That was in the year 1967, on the date June 7. And in the previous century, we didn't use the word 19. So we said the year 67. So in the 60s and 67, on the date 67, so it's again 67, double 67, 6767, then Jerusalem was recaptured by the Israeli uh, military. So... 6-7 is, of course, very important because yeah, when we look, for instance, at the flag of the USA, we find seven red stripes and six white in between. And 6 plus 7 gives a total of 13. This is not a coincidence. Everything has meaning. And that they picked exactly this date, June 7, is very meaningful, too, in the year 67. So that's referring to 13. And... Um, the USA started with 13 states that were united. In those days, people didn't say the word United States. They just said United States, but united with not a capital U. So it was just a, uh, uh, how do you call it? It's a, an attribute of, of a state, but not part of the name. Anyway, um, I'm talking too much. <laughs> mm, <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, but it's, what I was saying is not a coincidence. And when we have this very special date, so June 7 in the year 67, and we add up exactly seven times seven years, so 49 years plus these uh, seven weeks, then we add, uh, sorry, 62 weeks, I'm sorry, which is a total of precisely 50 years and 69 days, and then we arrive at the date of August 14, 2017. So that's not too far from when we are talking now, it's... Uh, half year from now mm -hmm. and uh, what will happen on that date August 14 2017 well that's what it, it says in the first 
the anointed prince shall return. And many people make a mistake when they uh, read the, the, the New Testament, because there is a, um, sometimes you see the reference to son of man, and sometimes you see a reference to uh, son of God. And most ignorant people assume that it's about the same. Well, it couldn't be further from the truth, because this is the very opposite. The son of God is the Christ, while the son of man is the Antichrist. And the anointed prince, which is mentioned in this verse, is in fact the anti-prince, uh, the anti-Christ, sorry. So what will happen on August 20, or August 14 next year, 2017, will be the arrival of the antichrist. Probably this antichrist is already uh, uh, visible in this world. Maybe this, this name is already well known, but we don't know yet the identity uh, of this man or woman, I think it's a man, um, but by that date, uh, the mask will come off, so to say, and everybody will see that it is the Antichrist. But most people will will not be um, will not understand it correctly, and they will think it is the Christ. So they will confuse the Christ with the Antichrist, and that's exactly what is written down too. So mark in your agenda August 14, 2017, because I think that will be an important date. Now, I want to ask you more about the, the figure of the Antichrist, but before I do, I'm curious if there's any uh, relevance to the date of the founding of the modern state of Israel, which is uh, May 14th, 1948. The only thing I could find on that date is that when you add up all the ciphers, you get a numerological value of five. And five is an opportunity for change. If you understand um, the system from, from the East, for instance, uh, Feng Shui or Nine Star Key or, or even the Chinese systems, do you know that five is in the middle and from the middle you can go in any direction. So you see major changes happening on a five date. For instance, 9-11 was also on a five date. So that's the only thing I found. But what is more interesting here to me is the date where the United Nations said, go, uh, it's a good idea to create a country there. There, there was a resolution passed that it was allowed for the for the Jewish people to start uh, uh, creating a nation on the soil of the Palestine people, and that that resolution was passed uh, on an 11 11 11 date. And that's to me very remarkable. It was passed in the year 47 of the last century. So actually, it's 1947, but we can skip the 19, and then we get four plus seven is 11 on the date November 11. So to me, that's more meaningful than the date of actually the creation of the unlawful state of Israel. And for anybody who doesn't really know this yet, although if you're listening to this program, you probably do, uh, the elite really are into numerology. Uh, a lot of people study gematria now, and there's always significance to all of these numbers that get bantied around, why they do things at certain times and all that. And I think that just needs to be restated. These things don't happen for just no reason when they happen. No, it's all about energy, and uh, or, or you can call it wizardry or, or, or magic or any word you like to use it. It's, it's, of course, black magic the way they use it. But they know that if you use the right ingredients, then the, yeah, the, the poison that you create or, or the, 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 the magic or the trick you want to uh, uh, bring into the world is more powerful. Yeah, for instance, when I, I write a word 
in, in, in a file of mine and it says stop do not go further and I use the color red and I make it bold then that has more power uh, has a more powerful impact than when I for instance use the color green or make it italic or, or make it very thin so I know that, that using bold letter type and the color red that is a is a is, is um, an important ingredient of making this message come through, uh, and that's also with with dates. So if you have an event, for instance, a false flag or or anything else, uh, a launch doesn't really matter what, you have to make sure that you also use the right date to do that. And the date is has an energy signature, and you can easily calculate the energy signature. Just like I said, you can add up all the ciphers. Or the numbers, and you get one cipher, and that cipher has a meaning. Yeah, it has an energetically, uh, it, it corresponds to a certain energy. And if that energy is matching with what you want to accomplish, then it it serves you well. But if it's not, then you should have probably ch- uh, picked another date. Yeah, these people we are dealing with, they know all this. They know how to use this black magic, and. Um, they don't like coincidences uh, or, or things that can somehow disturb their um, um, their goal. So they make sure that all the details are right. And the date is one of the details. But there are many details uh, uh, as well. For instance, the amount of casualties is sometimes also very meaningful or the, the place where it is done or... Many many details can be um, um, can be analyzed, analyzed, and then you find a lot of meaning there. Right, and and these sorts of things are what a lot of researchers out there are getting the hang of decoding, and not only decoding what's already happened, they're starting to be able to predict what may happen. You know, hey, this date looks like something that they would use. Let's look for an event uh, at this particular time and and possibly place. Yeah, but that stuff. I, I was asked to give a lecture in Denmark uh, in, in an open mind conference and I was asked to come there because they said, well, you're good at uh, analyzing this stuff. Can you predict the next false flag attack? And uh, yeah, that's very, very difficult because not every five date is used for change and uh, and so on. And not every seven, seven day uh, date with a value of seven is used for an attack either. So um, you cannot you cannot do that. Otherwise, it will be too easy. But you can um, go the other way. You can go reverse engineering. When you have an event, then you can look at all those details, and most of them are picked very well. That's my uh, uh, conclusion of my research. Well, I think a lot of people are also looking for uh, possible imagery in mainstream media that's put out there. I know there are a lot of folks uh, looking at possibility of a false flag in Seattle coming up soon because of a lot of imagery that was put into movies, television, and that sort of thing. So, obviously, it's it's not a total shot in the dark, but we don't know exactly what the bad guys have specifically in mind, so we're just trying to do the best we can to uh, disarm them ahead of time, I would say. Yes, that's the most important thing, because they give us these messages in order to get, to get our silent consent, if you want. Um, so that they can go ahead. They are actually telling us via those images and, and movies and so on, we are planning to do this. And if we all keep quiet, we, we, we do not give any response, then we uh, yeah, we somehow agree that it will happen. And their way of thinking is then they have no uh, negative consequences of this because they informed us about it. Yeah, like the small letters in the contract. Um, if you don't read them, well, that's your problem. But uh, you cannot... 
complain afterwards about the consequences of those small letters or, or what is what is written there, because you uh, put your signature there, and that, yeah, that's their way of thinking or reasoning, and uh, that's why it's good to to bring it out in the open because then we actually are saying no, we do not agree that this is going on. Stop it. We do not put our signature under that so-called contract, and then it will change. I think that's that's going on for uh, yeah more and more nowadays thanks to the. Uh, yeah, the internet community that is waking up and is sharing this very important information to each other. Right. And I think it's uh, fair to say that uh, I speak for most people on the planet that, hey, we don't want you to blow up anything in Seattle. No, I fully <laughs> <wouldn't> agree. <laughs> oh, why, why, why should we blow up things anyway? We, we can live in a beautiful harmony with nature. Uh, there's abundance and, and we don't have to uh, annoy or... or somehow hinder anyone we can not not animals plants we can live in a very beautiful harmonic way uh, but yeah they want us somehow to believe that we need violence and we need to protect ourselves and to uh, attack all threats and so on and so on and that way of thinking that is so dominant in most brains uh, of, of humans right now that it's very difficult to uh, to yeah, to break free from that but it is possible well, I think, especially with modern technology, it is completely possible for the entire planet to live in peace and harmony and plenty for everybody. But this small group of elite people are trying to control a very large group of people, and they're doing it predominantly through fear. Exactly. And that's a very powerful uh, mechanism because fear is going directly to the brainstem, and that's at the, at the basis of your, yeah, your brain activity, so to say. The same is with sex, with all the images of, of, of nudity or you see a woman with a short skirt or whatever. The brainstem of men is activated con continuously when you watch television and all the commercials is there. So and then not only the brainstem is activated, but also the programs that are run by the brainstem, too. And those those are our instincts and instincts wants to survive. But it's, it's very um, focused on, on fear. So if you are driven by your brainstem constantly, then uh, fear is a very uh, dominant in your, in your way of approaching the world. And you see everywhere danger and threat and so on. Well, if you step up to a higher level of, of consciousness, then fear, yeah, it's beyond fear. fear. Fear is just an illusion. Fear is, is not real. You can only be fearful for something that will happen in the future, but not for something that is happening right now. Even if you will stand face to face with a lion or a bear or whatever, uh, a snake, a serpent, at that moment you're not afraid because there's no time to be afraid. You just do what you need to do to survive. Fear comes only afterwards or when you project your uh, thoughts to the future, fear can be there too. And that's why um, yeah, we have to watch television so much because uh, then they are able to um, to influence our way of thinking and then we are always worried about the future yeah or we want to buy something so, so that we can look better in the future or we want to change our appearance so we can look better in the future they always want to bring our thoughts to the future and um, and if you're in the now it's not fear it doesn't exist fear is, um, is, is is really an illusion now I would I could even suggest that the uh, story you mentioned earlier of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den very hungry creatures around him but he stood up to them in the sense that he has the will to overcome this negativity and it's it's just it could be looked at as allegory once again for 
even though we're surrounded by these horrible elite people doing all these terrible things who want to devour us, our own will and light inside of us can stand up and we can survive. Exactly. And that's also the way to, to deal with the lions in the, in the real world, so to say, or in the world that we are living in. Because in my world, it's the government. The government acts as a lion and it can, can, make, can be really uh, yeah, threatening. But um, you have to know how to deal with that, that, that government lion, so to say, uh, in order to, uh, to not be bothered anymore. And uh, I, I see many people who start to write letters and, and claim their sovereignty and do all kinds of things to annoy the lion. And uh, I did it myself too, to be honest, in the past. But that's not the way to go forward. You need to understand that the lion lives in his own world and you live in your own world too. So do not interfere with the world of the lion. Just simply live your own life and um, and break free from the illusionary world of the lion because it's it's not real. Right. And that, that makes total sense to me. Um, and there is a lot of work being done about the whole um, straw man identity and what the paperwork version of how the elites are using to control us but i think you're right in the sense that we need to kind of do our own thing <clears throat> and not play in their world because well first of all they're probably always going to have the upper hand they're always going to know the next thing that we haven't figured out yet so we're always uh playing against the house there as it were but second of all uh the spirit within us i i would suggest is the true power and not all this paperwork no, and you cannot find a solution at the same level as where the problem is originating from. So you have to step up to a higher level. And in a paper-based world, you cannot find a solution on paper. That's, that's, the main, uh, that's the bottom line, actually, what I'm trying to say. You need to leave the paper-based world and see that it's all an illusion. How can something be written on paper be real in a, in a natural world? Yeah, if if you encounter a lion and you're in the bush, yeah, I use the lion again. Or should I use a bear this time? Okay, I'm in down down in the forest and I'm approaching a bear, and the bear is very hungry and he uh, yeah he's thinking of eating me. And what I do is I show him a paper and that declares to the bear that it's not allowed for him to eat me because of rule this and this. <laughs> that, that, that that doesn't make any sense. No. So so we can choose to live in the natural world where paper has no meaning, or we can live in a paper-based world, but then we are actually, I'm not sure if I can use this word, but we are screwed. Because, <laughs> because yeah, it's not, there's no solution. It's like, uh, like uh, yeah, you get drawn into a, a maze, and you can never, ever exit when you are identifying yourself with, with your paper-based identity. That's my conclusion. Right, and I, I completely agree with you. Um, but there's a lot to learn, no matter what, to try and at least avoid the pitfalls that they've set up around us. My, my honest suggestion would be for people to get together in smaller communities and live the best they can away from this controlling society that they've constructed to lock us into. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have to, to cancel your passport or throw away your driving license or whatever or, or cut through your, 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 uh, your cards, your, your credit cards, whatever. That's not not important. Just understand that it's, that is an it's a world. It's a, it's a fantasy world. Just like you play a game. Yeah, when you're in the computer and and you like to play a game. I'm not sure if you're a gamer, Jason, but my my younger son is very fanatic. And and yeah, he can be really into that. And so he's he's completely disconnected from the physical world, and he's in that game. And that's 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 dangerous. So um, 
you can play that game. You can play the game of the government the play, that, that you show your identity card to the police officer. You can play, but it's just a game. And if you are sick and tired of that game, then just say, okay, I'm no longer interested in playing this game anymore. Goodbye. But, but don't take it too serious. That's the, that's the pitfall here. Just see it as, as, a, as, a, as a play, as, 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 as something that is not real. And you have, just like when, when for instance, when you want to play a game, you want to play uh, baseball. Yeah, the moment you step into the field, you have to follow the rules. Otherwise, yeah, people get annoyed with you or you get sent out or whatever. So, but you need to understand that you can also leave the playing field. But the moment you start to play baseball, then you have to apply to the rules that are there. And the same is with real life. That's my, my, uh, my understanding. Well, and we know it's a game because the elite like to cheat by their own rules. We have to follow the rules or we're in trouble. But, uh, oh, let's just say, for example, Hillary Clinton doesn't have to. She doesn't get in trouble for the things we get in trouble for. So it's their game and we don't have to play it. No, but she can get into trouble by sending emails through a different account. And uh, <laughs> that can make a lot of trouble about it. But of course, there's a, there's an agenda behind this too. And uh, yeah, I think you and I think all your listeners do. We are not really um, uh, we do do not believe the news stories uh, too literal. So we no. know there's something going on behind it as well. Um, and yeah, for us, it's it's yeah, it's it's also a game. I fully agree. And you can start to to comment on the game and try to analyze the game and see who's winning. But I, I think it's a waste of energy. I think the best way is focus your, uh, all your energy on your own game and see what you can create. What, what difference do you want to make today? What, what can you really do today and do that instead of, yeah, thinking about what will happen in Syria? What's the situation with Russia? What is this? What is that? How's the money system, uh, when it will collapse and, and uh, what will Donald Trump do? And I think, yeah, you can, of course, waste all your day thinking about this and writing articles and, and going to YouTube and see what other people think about this and, and go to websites and read all about it. But in the end, what have you really accomplished? So my advice is focus on what you can do now. Focus your energy on what you can change in your life right now and do that. And for the rest, I think it's not worth uh, spending too much time on. Right. And I think the thing to just know about it, to sum it all up, is we are being controlled by horrible people doing terrible things. And you need to be the best you can be to go against that and not let them drag you down. No. And, yeah, also, they need us to do those horrible things, uh, Jason. They don't do them themselves. So they need us to, uh, to perform this because they know that if they have really blood on their hands... That will uh, that will bounce back. What goes around comes around. So they they need us, um, yeah, to, to to perform all these these dirty things. And if no, if yeah, you have the famous saying that if somebody declares war and nobody's going, then, then there is no war. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's very simple <laughs> like that. So um, they play it very cleverly, very cleverly. They manipulate everything, and and who is at the top of of this whole system is is. Uh, also not clear um, but yeah the bottom line is the people who are um, doing it uh, so, so pushing the buttons uh, killing other people or taking the blows these are not the part of the uh, of the real top of the organization 
Right. And it, it makes me sad every time I hear of some young man or woman signing up for the military and just like, you're playing right, you're playing their game. But that's neither yeah, here nor there yeah. at this point. I mean, it's, and that's why I do what I do. I'm trying to get as much info out there as possible and trying to awaken as many minds as possible because you've got to realize that you've got to stop participating in what they do. You know, nothing is going to stop them from sending you over to the Middle East to kill people for oil. You know, that is what you, you join the military. That is what you're going to do, at least in today's world. Yeah. Now, there's something else than what, what people thought they were doing. But also in the military, there are many men and women who are, are waking up, but they are in a yeah, tough situation because they need the salary to, to support their family and themselves. So uh, I think um, more and more people will wake up, and at a certain moment, people will just stop pressing the button to send another cruise missile to another place somehow. Um, instead of that, people are all abandoning the police force and the, and the military. I don't think that will, will happen. It would be good, but um, most people could not handle that. So I, I think the change will come from within the, the, the military, from within the police force, and also from within uh, yeah, the, the healthcare system, for instance, and so on, the financial system. Those systems will all collapse, but the people who are working now there, um, they together have to find a solution. To, um, to overcome all the, the, yeah, the trouble that is ahead for us. Right, and that's the way it needs to happen. People who are starting to get it and really wake up to things in those individual systems, they need to spread the word to their fellows, and then we can work from the inside out to, to free ourselves from this. But um, I still think that a, a lot of what we can do to combat this situation is to start independent communities that are completely self-sufficient, full of like-minded people, and if enough pockets of resistance uh, uh, against the system start springing up all over the planet uh, there's only so much they can combat against yeah I fully agree that's the way forward and self in independent self-sufficient and uh, and off the grid then um, that's that's the most stable solution because I think the power the electricity electricity the power grid will collapse one day too and uh, yeah, if you are able to create your own electricity, yeah, then you're not in trouble. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, and, and we can. The technology exists now to do it, especially if you're not doing it on a New York City-wide scale, but you're doing it on a small community scale. Absolutely, you can have completely free, clean energy from some from some other source other than uh, some sort of fossil fuel or nuclear energy or whatever it happens to be. But I've, I've put this idea out there a lot to friends lately, and I'm trying to do it more on a wider scale. People need to band together, start their own communities, and make it very well known what they're doing. You know, it, the internet is absolutely, it's used by the enemy to, to propagandize us, but it's also can be used by us to do the opposite. You know, to say, hey, this is this is what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it, and you can do it too. Here's how you make clean water here's how you make electricity here's how you how you have a system of government that's not controlled by a bunch of really bad people you know and and i think that this is the, the way forward but anyway i um i feel like we may have gotten away from what we were originally speaking about um the uh the antichrist figure let's discuss that i think we should go to the to the um the second gulf war maybe you remember the situation where all the soldiers came out the, the Iraqi soldiers came out of the tanks and, and with their hands up in the air and they surrendered without, yeah, for any reason at all. 
Do you remember that new story, Jason? Uh, well, it happened in the first Gulf War and in the second Gulf War because they just couldn't withstand the firepower of um, what the United States military was doing. Yeah, that's that's what we've been told officially. Right. But in the sec the second time, they used technology that people heard voices in their head. The Iraqi soldiers heard a voice of Allah. That's what they thought in their head, telling them to surrender, and that's what they did. And it was the first time it was used on this scale to to use this kind of technology. So that that is we we know we can uh, hear through um, through air. Yeah, when when we are together, we can hear through air. We can hear through water. On the water, we can hear as well. Or you can put your ear on the ground, and then you can hear, for instance, a, a, a truck that is coming towards you. Or what the cowboys did, they listen if a if a train was coming through the rail. So we can listen. We can hear through solid material, through uh, liquid material, and to air through air. But the fourth one, people don't know about that. I call it fire, but it's that is through radiation. And we can also learn to um, uh, to use fire or, or radiation to uh, enable to uh, give information or, or to produce sound. And that's the technology they have now used. And what will happen, I think, is that everybody will hear the moment we see the face of the Antichrist in our own language, yeah, very defined words. So... It will be clear for everyone through yeah, direct suggestion to the brain that this is the, yeah, the Messiah, the, the long-awaited uh, Savior for, for the Hindustan people, for the, for the Muslims, for the Christians, for everyone. And that is the, the trick they're going to pull, pull upon us. And if you're not aware of this, then you will certainly fall for it because they will use all kinds of other technology as well. With Project Blue Beam, they can project anything in the in the sky, so it might 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 look fantastic. It will be a great show. I think 9/11 is just a uh, simple rehearse of a, a rehearsal of what will come uh, in the in the next year. So um, people will be fooled by this, big time. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Uh, I'm sure they looked at 9-11 sociologically as well to see, well, what impact did this large-scale event have on the masses and what can we learn from this for the next one? Exactly, exactly. In my opinion, it was a triple-A performance. It was uh, first A was for the technology because when you understand what really happened, then you, yeah, the technology used is very, very advanced. The second uh, a was for the timing, because numerologically it's very important. Of course, the five I already mentioned it, but also in relation to the Mayan calendar, it was on a very precise moment in in, uh, in which people were actually um, breaking free from the old way of thinking to a new one, and that was the perfect moment to stop that. So the second A was for the timing, and the third A was for the mind control program that was released directly afterwards. And even before that, because yeah, you already mentioned uh, predictive programming in the beginning, but if you see how many times 9-11 was mentioned uh, in the time prior to the uh, uh, September 11 events in 2001, it's very, very much. It was in The Matrix, it was in, uh, uh, <coughs> in the film with Sylvester Stallone, uh, uh, what's the name called, uh, where he was the, the robot guy, uh, Terminator, Terminator 2. Judgment Day and many other movies as well. 
Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know all, all of those, but there were many references. Though. So they before, at the time and afterwards, the whole idea of mind control was, was pushed to a, to a new level. And that's the third A they deserved for that uh, performance. Right. So basically what, what this all boils down to is they're going to project sound that the human ears can hear through whatever respective medium they're going to use by stimulating certain frequencies. Yeah, it's going directly into the brain. Even if you can't hear with your own ears, if your, your ears are not working well, you can still hear it because they create the, um, yeah, the, the, the words in your brain. Right, and you've heard people uh, bring these things up over the years that they're, it's almost like an outside projection is coming directly into their mind, which to me suggests that they're doing tests on whomever they're choosing just to see if it'll work and have the desired effect. And if indeed these stories are true, then yeah, the technology works and seems to work very well because it's driving these people mad. Yes, and then we go back to the Second World War with, with Operation Paperclip. It, already in Germany, people were, were yeah using mind control techniques and, and, and seeing how far we can go and what is the most effective way to, to brainwash people. And this was perfect uh, perfectionized in, uh, by the CIA first with the, uh, with the uh, sorry, with the program um, MKUltra, sorry, Mind Control Ultra, and then with the, the Monarch program, and maybe there are other programs as well. So, yeah, I think this is going on for 60 years now. They are very, very advanced in, uh, in, in using these techniques. So mind control for them is the most effective and also the, the cheapest way to control people. All the other ways are more, yeah, they take more uh, resources. This is a very uh, efficient one. You know, it wouldn't even surprise me, not that I have any direct evidence of this, that um, they've already got a huge grid set up with the mobile system, you know, with cellular telephones, everybody's walking around with a phone in their pocket, and they've got towers everywhere. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if those could be used in a more sinister fashion than just communications and data transfer. Yeah, to me too. I, I, I'm so, I don't have a smartphone myself. I think I'm smart enough myself. It's a joke. But I, when I, for instance, see my children or other people, they are constantly watching that and when when there is a my, my daughter for instance had a problem that it had to be uh, uh fixed for for one or two days she didn't have a mobile phone and she was completely uh yeah she, she was lost so people are so addicted already it's not only the information they're addicted to but but the whole idea so i i think this is a very clever way to to um to to inform people about what they should know, and that's of course uh, there's a big filter on on top of that. So they are already feeding most of the people with with what with the food, the the, the information food that they want the, those people to eat. So it's um, yeah, it's it's on their way. People talk about transhumanism like it's far in the future, but to me, this is already a big step towards transhumanism. Oh, I agree completely. I, I think that this is maybe an exterior form of me melding ma uh, man with machine, you know, with, this, mm -hmm. with the Apple Watches and iPhones. And uh, I mean, how many people work in front of a computer for goodness knows how many hours a day? And then you go home, plop your butt on the couch, and then you're con uh, connecting to another device, you know, sitting in front of the television. And uh, I'd say they've already got us on that path. We've Generally, Western culture has completely accepted technology as this is the way it is and the way of the future, and it's just going to keep 
keep being that way and then it's just going to get better and better and better so that when we get to the point where we actually want to start melding physical machinery into our bodies it's just the next step and of course i'm quite confident they will do this uh very slowly and carefully but incrementally moving forward for instance hey people who have disabilities we have a means of connecting this to this and making you better and I already see such things happening with people I even know. So we'll see. We'll see how, how far this goes and if people start waking up to what's really going on. Yeah, the, they have a long-term vision and they do it very gradually. If, and if it doesn't go in, uh, on, a, on a way they want, they just adapt and they go to a, through a different way. So they're very flexible, but they have a long-term, long-term vision. And that vision is very, <laughs> very clear to them. That's, of course, the merger between man and machine, uh, and, and more and more machine part will come in then because they want control. They want maximum control. And the problem with, with the wetware of human beings is it can, be, um, it can do different things. Yeah, we can suddenly decide to do it differently. Well, my, my computer does not do that. So um, they want 100% control, and that means that the human part has to become lesser and lesser in order to uh, create a, a very obedient yeah how, how we call it creature right and if you're completely wired into a machine to the literal point your consciousness is interacting with it i mean that's the ultimate control grid because who's going to control the machines not you oh no it's going to be them yeah exactly so it's, it's obvious where this is going you know yeah but but the problem i have is i i'm yeah, my work is, is related to computers a lot. So, um, yeah, what should I do? I want to inform the world that, that uh, we, can, we can do it differently. But in order to reach out, I need the computer. We are talking now, and I need my computer to talk with you, Jason. I make uh, presentations, and I put them on YouTube. But people need computers to watch those videos and, uh, uh, and, and read my articles. So it's a blessing, but it's also a, a threat well, a tool a tool is just a tool. It's however you use it. I mean, a knife can be used to uh, cut up your salad, or it could be used to stab somebody. I mean, the, the knife itself is not evil. And computers and all this technology, it's just the same thing, how you use it. I, I, I don't even know what I'd do without a computer. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I couldn't be an audio engineer. I couldn't put out my own show. I would have to be uh, on a radio station somewhere if this was 50 years ago and hope to get ratings and... If they decide they don't want my show anymore, well, you're canceled. Get go away, you know. And it's yeah. So it's it all depends upon what you use the tools for, and we're going to use it for what we would say is good purposes, and the bad guys are going to use it for their nefarious, selfish purposes. Exactly, it's the same as as magic. It's the very same. So it's it's not the tools. The hammer is the hammer. The knife is the knife, and internet is the internet. But um, yeah, do you use it in a black black way or in a white way? And knowing what I know about magic, and I've seen some interesting things, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it's also just a tool. Indeed, you can you can. It almost works like a computer program. You can program it to do what you want it to do, for better or for worse. Yeah, but the only thing with magic is it's very um, it's very important your own level of understanding, um, because the the higher your level is, the the more powerful it works. Uh, it's exactly the same with a carpenter. Um, a hammer is a hammer, but but a very skillful carpenter can use that hammer in a more efficient way 
than uh, than somebody who's just starting to learn the the profession, so to say. And the same is true with with uh, with magic. And the purpose of all those mystery schools from the ancient days was to um, to increase the the level of consciousness of the of the magician or the sorcerer, if you want. And and because yeah, the techniques can be explained easily. I, I give a training course now. You can also watch it online for it has thirty videos, and I explain it in full detail. But that's just a technique. Um, it becomes really interesting when you understand that it's actually more about the magician than about the technique of, of magic. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with just how strong your will is, how much you believe in yourself. That's one of it, and and other is how um, how pure is your um, is your own energy, yeah. And, and how much is there a unity within you and all those things. So the, the strong, you can see it as, as um, magic is a kind of um, uh, magnifying glass and you are a kind of light. And the, the, the brighter your light is, the more power you can create with a magnifying glass in, in such a way that you can actually make uh, something burn. Uh, with the sun, we can do that. When we uh, put it on the right distance, we can... Uh, yeah, make fire with a with a magnifying glass, and the same is true with our own light. So if our own light is bright enough, then we can yeah, create uh, very powerful magic. But if our own light is very dim, yeah, it you can create an effect, but it's not not really big. That's the end of part one. I decided to split this interview into two parts since we went over two hours, and I wanted to have the most impact as possible. I know two hours is a long time to listen to one program, so hopefully you'll enjoy what we went through in part one and come back for part two. That's it for this time. We'll see you soon.